Would you open God's precious holy word to Ephesians chapter 4? We have come to verse 11, and God willing, we'll look at verses 11 through 16 as we continue our study in Ephesians. To retrace our steps, Ephesians 1 through 3. The Holy Spirit through Paul teaches the saints of our position in Christ. Positionally, we are in Christ by the purpose and grace of God from before the foundation of the world. It is a marvelous and wonderful thing that once was a mystery and it's been revealed. Now that we know who we are, what are we to do? So that's the purpose of chapters four, five, and six, the practical side of Christianity. Chapters one through three, the positional side, four, five, and six, the practical side. Boots on the ground. In this world, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, telling us, teaching us, what to do, how to live. Practical Christian life, living. We saw last time that Christ has ascended and in the ascension gives gifts to men. And they are gifts by His grace. We saw all of that. And each of us is gifted in some way. We are saved unto good works. We learned that back in Ephesians uh, 2. And what that means is in the package of your salvation are the good works that God has placed within you, who you are in the body of Christ. We're diverse, but we're unified in this body that he speaks about at the close of the first three chapters. Now, Christ has ascended and in his ascension gives gifts. And the first of those are mentioned here. And so we're going to look at it. The ascended Christ giving gifts to the church. And indeed he gave some to be apostles. The apostles were Christ's gift to the early church. There were 12 of them because Luke, I think in chapter 22, tell, Christ tells his apostles that they will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So there are 12. It's the number that Christ himself set. As we study the apostles in the New Testament, we are to make this designation. There are the apostles that we should consider those who would be written out with a capital A. Those would be the 12. Those were sent forth by Christ. Now they had, uh, there were conditions for, those, for that kind of an apostle. There were requirements. They had to be with Christ when he was in his earthly ministry. They had to learn directly from Christ. They had to be personal witnesses of the resurrected Christ. 
They had to be sent forth personally by Christ. Christ himself had to send them forth. They also had, uh, they were empowered with uh, confirming signs. That is to say, those with the capital A could perform miracles to confirm the message they were bringing. Those apostles were foundational to the church. They didn't, they didn't teach the New Testament. They wrote the New Testament. And so they were laying the foundation. Theirs, theirs was a, a ministry that included direct revelation. That is to say, they were revealed what to you and I are to understand is the New Testament. The doctrine of the apostles. The teaching of the apostles. This is what we do. This is what we're supposed to do. As a New Testament church, we are to be involved with discipleship, teaching, learning the doctrine of the apostles. They laid the foundation of the New Testament church. Now, their day is over. There is no such thing in the Bible as successive apostles or an apostle, namely the Pope. No such thing in the Bible, so that it doesn't exist. They had their day. They gave to us the New Testament. The last of the living apostles was inspired to write at the close of the last book of the canon of Scripture. Do not add to this. Do not take away from it. This is it. So we have the completed canon of Scripture, the New Testament coming from the apostles, capital A, 12 of them. Now, there were other apostles in the New Testament, little a. They were not directly sent forth by Christ. They were sent forth by the church. So we're to differentiate between the capital A apostles and the little a apostles. Now, the word apostle in the Greek text means to be sent forth. Those who are sent forth on a mission. So they're commissioned. Give us the New Testament. Give to us apostolic doctrine. Lay the foundation of the church, and their time is over. There are no more apostles. Secondly, some now prophets, prophetas. Those were also given to the early church specifically to cement the apostolic doctrine in the local church. There, the apostles were itinerant. The prophets, basically and generally, the New Testament prophets, were local in a local church. You see, before the finished and completed New Testament, the foundation being laid, they didn't have all of the teaching of the New Testament early in the church. And so when they came to a particular problem, well, they, they, they couldn't settle it according to the law of Moses because the law of Moses just didn't apply to the church in that sense. Therefore, how do they resolve a problem? The prophet would speak for God. The New Testament prophet would speak for God to help them to apply apostolic doctrine and teaching. He was very special. Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 14 that 
their office no longer exists since we have the completion of the New Testament. When that which is teleos, when that which is mature, complete, when that which is complete has come, then the partial thing is not needed anymore and it is therefore done away. So we don't have New Testament prophets anymore. But they also were very important to the early church and the foundation of the church. Now we move from there, some now evangelists. Evangelists are those who go where, where Christ is not known. And they would teach of Christ. God would work with that. It's, it's, it's God's job to call his own to himself. It's our job to tell everybody about Jesus. We can't force the issue. We can't force decisions. We can't, we can't force those who would come to Christ. We can't force conviction of sin. That's up to the Holy Spirit of God as God sends forth his spirit. It's the job of Almighty God. Our job is to tell the good news. There are people, and I'll tell you this, in the New Testament, I'm firmly convicted that the office of evangelist and the job of evangelism was always connected to the local church. It wasn't, it wasn't a guy in the church who had 12, and I don't mean to make fun, well, maybe I do, um, who had, who had 10 sparkling suits and 12 sermons. You know, it, it wasn't like that. It was people being developed in the work for the ministry of the church, the local church, who were unctioned and conditioned and commissioned by the overall work of the ministry to discover those places. God, that's a divine work of God to bring, to bring the one of evangelism to the, play, to the place and to the people where they've never heard. And they tell the good news. That's what the word evangelism means. Evangelist, it means to, to tell good news. This was a work of the local church and those kinds of people in the church are a gift from Christ to the church. The last, some now, shepherds and teachers. Now you'll notice that the word and, and it's up there in, in the, the Greek text, it doesn't appear anywhere else. So a proper translation would be to hyphenate those two words, shepherd teachers. Shepherd teachers. Some now shepherds and teachers. Now I would go back to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 20 is where Paul is actually bidding farewell to the elders of Ephesus. And they are sad. Paul said, you're not going to see my face anymore. Oh man, he was laying it on. And they were weeping and they were all torn up because Paul was leaving them. But Paul gives them this edifying word. He said, elders, presbyteros. That's one Greek word. God is telling you to be an overseer. Episcopus. It's a different Greek word. 
Elders, overseers, synonymous. Same word. Elder, bishop, same thing. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 tells us that. And then he says that you would be shepherding. It's the verb form of poemain, which is the word for pastor or shepherd. That you would be shepherding, feeding, shepherding, pastoring the flock at Ephesus. So we are taught in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that the three words, elder, bishop, pastor, they're synonymous. And they bespeak each one of a different kind or a different attribute of the shepherd teacher, okay? So he gives evangelists and shepherd teachers, shepherds and teachers. Shepherd teachers have this job. I have an arrow right before it. Toward the fitness or the equipping of the saints. Modern Christianity through the years in the United States of America in particular has sought to equate the shepherd teacher with a CEO or with a manager. Or head football coach. Got to win. Our numbers have to be better than the rest of them. There are all kinds of ways in modern America that the local church has uh, described or epitomized or attributed certain things to the pastor teacher, shepherd teacher. Here's what the Holy Spirit of God says. Here's his job. To condition or equip the saints. That's his job. His job is not to fill the building. His job is to fill the souls and the hearts of believers. God takes care of everything else. Just, just trust God. The Lord Jesus Christ, the head of his church. Now, that word, that word uh, fitness there, equip or to make fit, it's a word that means to condition people to the, to the perfecting or the complete, to the maturing, to the equipping, to the conditioning. Katar tesmon. Big old long Greek word. It means that we are in a spiritual gym. This is, this is not planet fitness. This is shallow fitness. Okay? And we're doing spiritual calisthenics. I happen to be, oh boy, I happen to be the one <laughs> leading in the calisthenics. Listen. It's spiritual calisthenics. Shoot, my spirit's a whole lot bigger than my belly. 
So my job, I have one job. Here it is. To condition, equip the saints. That's my job. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, to do what is necessary to bring the saints into a condition of fitness. The work never stops. The conditioning never stops. The equipping never stops. Why? Here's the next one. For the work of ministry. I am to do what I'm supposed to do in the work of conditioning and equipping the saints so that the saints can perform the work of ministry. The word ministry, the word means service. The work of service. You can, you can translate it that way. Diaconias, ministry, service. A form of that word is deacon. But it's not a reference to deacon. For the work of ministry, direct object. So here we go. God gives a pastor teacher to a church. I, I know you were, you were holding out for a 30 something celebrity looking guy. You're out of luck. And you can't get your money back either. So here it is. If God gives that gift, in this case, shepherd teacher, then God has equipped the shepherd teacher or has gifted the shepherd teacher. Not only that, has placed such a call in his life that he can't help himself. The Holy Spirit of God is moving him. Anything other For me or any pastor teacher to be in any other kind of activity is a misuse of the ascension gift and works against the purpose of God. That's truth. Let me tell you. I've been around the block a few times. More than 40 years as a pastor. I had a church. My first church, my first church expected me because all of my deacons were members, expected me to join the Masonic Lodge. That's right. They'd pay for my membership. I didn't. And it created a rift. I had churches that would pay for my membership, for example, in the Civitans Club. I could go on and on with this. A church that, I told you about the church that expected me to wear wingtips all the time. I could go on and on with this. But let me tell you, the job is not to be an ambassador to the community. There may be somebody in the church equipped to do that. 
But the job of the shepherd teacher is to condition slash equip the saints for the work of ministry. The work of service in the church is a complex thing if it's left just to a handful or especially if it's just left to one person. It'll never get accomplished. May I express my appreciation, profound and deep appreciation. We're having an elders meeting this afternoon and I'm going to say this and then probably I'll get fired by the elders this afternoon. I don't know. But I, I'll tell you this. When I, almost 15 years ago, I came to Shiloh and I sat down with a group of people and I said, you know, I don't know exactly what your expectations are. But I've, I've, been, I've been in this too long to tell you otherwise than what I'm going to say. Because I said this same thing to the church where I was and God had blessed it. And I said this, I said, look, if you will unleash me And let me be nothing but a pastor teacher. Then I will be profoundly blessed and I will trust God that somewhere, somehow along the way, in some fashion, you too will be blessed. Not because I'm the entertainer of the year or anything else, but because together we have a commitment to growing and maturing in Christ, especially via the Word of God. There's no other way. I'm so thankful. Now, you know, there may be people in my congregation who are seething thinking that I ought to be doing this or ought to be doing that. I'm not doing this enough. I'm doing that too much. It's okay. I've been there. I'm a crusty old soul. So, I mean, I've been, I've been cursed out by professionals. <laughs> so you're not going to hurt my feelings. But I know that it works best this way, this way. For the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, that's edification. That means that we are strengthened and we grow and we mature in Christ. So, pastor, teacher, conditioning and equipping the saints who are involved in the work of service or ministry, that the body of Christ might be edified or built up. Now, this is not necessarily numerical. When I was a young pastor, it was all about numbers. I've been slapped around and spanked by the Almighty because of that through the years. And I know, it's, I know that God will send whom He will. He takes away whom he will. I've surrendered to that and I surrendered to it a long, long time ago. I do not count the numbers. 
I don't. I have no idea. Of course, <laughs> thank God, because in, in the days of COVID, oh, if my job depended on numbers, I'd be doing something else about now, I guess. I don't know. But it's not all about that. It's for the maturity of the saints that they may be conditioned, getting stronger and stronger, more and more in shape spiritually, thus to be equipped for the work of service. It is a work. We talked about gifts last time a little bit. Just do something. We, we talked about how silly those spiritual gifts were. The spiritual gift uh, tests were back in the day. You're saved. God wires you. He hot wires you for service. You will perform that service. This is my view. You will perform that service not even realizing that you're doing it because it's Christ in you doing something that is needed. Now, to some people, it may seem minor. To some people, it may seem major. But it is a work of the ministry, of service. And you're doing it because you want to. And this is, this is your place. This is the thing that you do. And it makes you happy. And we all come together. And I told you about how. You shouldn't put me in the nursery. Remember? I, I don't touch dirty diapers. I, uh, okay. Service that the body of Christ might be edified or built up. For the building up that we might be mature. All right, it keeps going. It keeps going. Until we may attain all the unity of the faith. Unity. I'd rather have 50 unified believers than 5,000 fractious believers. You'll get a lot more done in the sight of God with the unified believers. So as we stay with the word, more and more we come together as a family. We understand who we are, what we are, what you are, what we all are in Christ. So until we may attain all the unity of the faith. Next one. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. The only person in here who will have to answer for everybody at the judgment seat of Christ is me. The thought haunts me. Haunts me. It haunted me and was a burden until about 25 years ago. I just dumped it off and said, this is not my burden. This is not my worry. My job is to do what I believe God has called and gifted me to do. I will not worry or be concerned or be burdened about all of the other things that people try to put on my shoulders. That I would try to wear Saul's armor and I cannot. 
And for me to stay focused through the years and for any pack, I could say I have friends. When you're focused like that and this is all you do, it angers some people, it confuses some people. But I had an old father in the ministry who said, when I was whining about it to him 40 years ago, you want a little whine with that cheese? He said, Charles, they don't know, you have to teach them. Now, sometimes, sometimes they don't hang around long enough to be taught. Because we'll get there eventually. We go through the scriptures. And I used to think, oh, I have this burden. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to teach it. And as long as I'm standing in the area where there would be a pulpit or in the pulpit area, as long as I'm teaching and preaching and have not been removed, then I will trust that to be the power of God. So that's the way it's been. Until we all may attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. I have left four pastorates previous to this one to go to the next pastorate. Every time I left on my face, my simple plea and prayer to God was this, Oh God, I cannot know until we're in heaven. But I can only pray and hope that they know more about the Son of God than they did before. That's all I can pray. I don't give everybody a test about your knowledge of the Son of God when I first come and then my last Sunday take a test and compare to see, oh, that's silly. But oh God, that they may attain the increase of the knowledge of the Son of God. Why? Because we are all growing up into the display of Christ in this world. Shallow is symbolized here. Metaphorically seen as a, a man, a body. Talked about the body in Ephesians 3. The body, calling us into a body. We each have something to do. We keep doing these things. Now look how it goes, okay? It starts with the ascension gift that he gives to the church. Then who is responsible for the fitness or the conditioning or the equipping of the saints? Who through that conditioning are responsible for the work of the ministry? Which then produces the building up of the body of Christ. Which through all of that causes us to become unified in the faith. Which all of that then leads to a greater knowledge of the Son of God. Which then brings us even closer together that we are functioning in the best way that we can. That Christ himself in the local body might be on display in this world. Now it's an imperfect thing I know. But this is what we strive for. And it all starts back with these ascension gifts here. 
and it comes to the full maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That everything is viewed in your life with regard to Christ and obedience to Him. That not a thought, not an activity, not a behavior, not a moment passes but what it's not weighed against my loyalty and responsibility to Christ. Now, when we get to that point, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, then we are no longer infants, no longer crybabies, no longer being tossed by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching or doctrine in the cunning of men in craftiness with a view to the scheming of deceit. Do you believe that the world is being deceived today in some way? This is yes and this is no. Are there those of us who can weigh the cunning scheming of deceit brought onto us by the world because of our conditioning and the work and service of ministry and seeking to grow into the fullness of Christ? We can weigh those things against the doctrine of the apostles? And we can see great disparity and we can say, this is not for me. This is not for my children. It's wrong. It's deceit. It's delusion. It's erroneous teaching, false teaching. I listen to people. I listen to academics on the, on the television. Why in the world I listen to television is still something I'll be delivered from, but I guess just to make me mad. See how far I can spit when it's over. These people who present themselves as Christians. Oh, Christ. I heard a guy running for office talking about how it's the will of Christ that these babies be aborted. And it gets worse than that. We can take the litmus test of Scripture because of the conditioning program that we're in. And we can see the red flags that go up when the, the deceit of this world, the schemes of this world are thrown at us. And we recognize that it's unsound teaching that's wrong. It's amoral. It's unbiblical. Because we've been conditioned. So here we go. Let's look at it again. All right. Ascension gifts. Evangelists, shepherds and teachers. Shepherds and teachers. Condition, equip the saints. The saints now have a compelling unction from within to do a particular kind of service. All together. 
in our service to Christ, it builds up, it edifies the body of Christ. We become unified and we deepen in our knowledge of the Son of God. And we're growing and maturing to the complete man, to the fullness of Christ. And this is what we want the church, the, the church to display in the world. This is what we want the world to see in us individually and in shallow collectively. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we won't be crybabies any longer. But we will be rooted and grounded in sound doctrine. And whatever blows our way, we resist that wind because we are no longer infants. Now, speaking the truth in love, this is what we do. People try to paint us into a corner in this world where we live. At school, at work, among our peers, we have to stand up and say in the fullness of Christ, what you're telling me is not true. There's one absolute truth and that is the word of God. I cannot agree with you because it's not true. And I only say this because of my love for Christ and my love for you. Now at that level of maturity, speaking the truth in love, we should grow up in all things into Him who is the head, namely Christ, from whom all the body being joined and held together by every ligament of its supply according to the working in the measure of each individual part the increase of the body makes for itself to the building up of itself in love. So the maturity, if we just let the flow be the flow that we've seen here in Ephesians. We will experience greater levels of maturity And we will see the body built up. At that point, I suppose you could even say numerically, if that's important to you, because God will have produced a spirit of evangelism in our hearts. We want you to know what we know. Oh, child. Oh, mother. Oh, friend. Cousin. I want you to know what I know. I want you to have what I have. I want you to experience what I have experienced in Christ by the grace of God. And this is the work of Christ in us. We're positioned in Christ and now we're to be practical in this world in Christ. And so this is how Christ starts in giving the gifts from his uh, ascension gifts. We saw it here. And I'm through. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He came into this world to save sinners. According to the Bible, when God calls out to you, 
He will call out to you to admit that you are a sinner. He will call out to you to believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. He will call out to you to confess your sin and call upon the name of the Lord because we are told, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our three great needs now. Every person in this room has these needs. Number one, to believe in Christ and to have Him as your Savior. Number two, having been saved, be obedient. Follow Him in baptism. Number three, align yourself with a local church where you can be discipled and where you can serve and where you can fellowship with other believers. If any one or two or all three of those needs are in your life, as you exit this sanctuary right across the hall and you'll see them, we have deacons and their wives ready to receive you and talk to you and pray with you about any one, two or three of those things. So you're invited to speak to them if God has placed these things on your heart. Thank you so much for being here today. Father God in heaven, Lord, we're humbled before you. Thankful for the work of your spirit in our lives and in your church. Oh God, help us to walk humbly before you and to be obedient to your way, to your teaching, to your word. Bring us together into the fullness of Christ. That in the best way that we can, we may present Christ to this world just by being who we are in Christ. Now bless us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.